Today is Monday, June 6th, AL East State of Division. I'm your host, Colby Olson, joined today by Arm Layton, who is over on the NL East side of things, but he's going to come over today and fill in for Peter Apple and, you know, kind of kind of get his feet wet on the AL East because, you know, I think the NL East has all the exciting, all the excitement, right? But the AL East might even have more excitement than the NL East, Arm. What's up, man? Well, dude, it's funny because I would I would have bet on, you know, the NL East being a little bit more competitive than it's been so far this year. And the AL East, I mean, we knew it was going to be good, but it's pretty fun seeing how strong some of these teams have looked out of the gate. And even with the slow start, I mean, you talked about it before we recorded, like the Red Sox, it's been quote unquote disaster relative to what we've seen last year. And they're still one of the hottest hitting teams in the league now slowly climbing back into it. Uh, this is going to be a really fun division to break down. And what I like about the AL East is there's no days off. Even the Orioles can sneak in a little uppercut punch and knock you out if you don't uh, have your hands up. Uh, So I'm I'm excited to kind of run through this and talk a little AL East. Yeah, man. I mean, that's something we've been talking about for the last few weeks is is the Orioles now are not a team where you can stroll into Camden Yards or or even if they're on the road and just expect a sweep. Like you really have to play them tough and, and play them to win. But let me just break down the standings real quick before we get into it. So the Yankees are in first place, obviously. 39 and 15. That's a 722 win percentage. I mean, that's just crazy right now. Just crazy. Behind them, they have a seven and a half game lead on this division right now. Toronto Blue Jays are behind them at 31 and 22. And then the Rays are just right there at 31 and 23. The Red Sox have climbed all the way back to get back to 500. They're 27 and 27 right now, 12 back of the Yankees. And then you have the Orioles who are still at a very respectable 23 and 33. So, you know, it's, it's the Yankees division to lose right now. But, but as we saw last year, the Yankees came back, what were they? They were nine back of the Red Sox at one time. And they, and they came back to almost, you know, kind of steal the division. It was very close to the end. The Rays obviously won, but it's anybody's division right now still. Uh, yes, it's anybody's division in the respect that, you know, it's super early and, you know, so much changes, but I'm very excited. We talked about it on, on the Just Baseball show. What the Yankees are doing right now is is absolutely insane. I mean, from top to bottom, I, you could probably find one hole and it's the outfield, but it doesn't matter because Aaron Judge is, is playing at an MVP level and almost carrying the weight for Gallo and Hicks uh, and also Stanton swinging it all right in the DH spot. But I mean, this team top to bottom is insane. I really maintain, I think the Orioles, they're not great, but they could be close to a 500 team if they were in a different division. Uh, You know, I would love to see where the Orioles stack up if they were in the NL East. They'd probably be better off than the Marlins right now. Uh, So it is kind of fascinating uh, to see just, again, how how competitive this, this division is top to bottom. I would say you can probably pick a legitimate flaw with every team right now, except for the Yankees. And so, you know, I kind of want to talk about those flaws you know, how I guess detrimental they can be to each of these teams as we move forward here and whether they can hedge some of those flaws, because I look at the Yankees, they're going to be the team that's kind of pacing the division and everyone's going to be trying to catch up and hope that they hit a little bit of a snag. Uh, But if the Red Sox can tread water, they get Chris Sale back. They're going to start, you know, getting some other pieces. Brian Bayo might get called up. Like, I feel like if the Red Sox can just continue to do what they're doing right now and, and hang in there, uh, maybe they can strike in the second half similar to the way the Yankees did last year. Yeah. And, and so you talk about, you know, can the Yankees kind of go on a cold streak here? The Red Sox have obviously caught fire. They're 14 and six of their last 20 games. Um, but, and, and that's just taking advantage of an easy schedule for the Red Sox. They've gone on this West coast road, West coast road trip. Now 
you know, hit the athletics now over their next, you know, few games are going to hit the angels who have been in 10 their last 10, which is crazy. The Mariners who have not been playing well, then they get the athletics again and they, they just are on kind of a, an easy schedule right now. The, the Yankees, on the other hand, they get the twins, then they get the Cubs who are obviously not that great, but then the Rays, Blue Jays, Rays again, and Astros back to back to back to back. I mean, that is a really, really tough schedule coming up. But aside from that, yeah, I mean, the Yankees, I, I wanted to talk about this rotation because top to bottom right now, this is one of the best rotations performance-wise we've seen in a long time. And obviously you have yes. Garrett Cole up top. Nestor Cortez right now has a 1.5 ERA and is, you know, in the Cy Young race somehow. It's crazy to see every, every you know, five games he steps out there and throws seven-inning shutout. Then behind him, Jamison Tyon has been a revelation, a 2.3 ERA. Then you have Jordan Montgomery, who is always solid. I mean, it just seems like this guy puts up a 3.3 ERA every year and just and, quietly and is in the back end. And he's pitching his best right now. Like that, that's the thing too. Like he looks, you know, mediocre with his 3.02 ERA. Like that's great for Jamon. He's usually in the mid threes range. Yep. Like even he's taking his game up a level. And then I didn't even mention Luis Severino, who's come back and, and he's kind of this number two in this rotation, maybe number three, which is crazy. He's a two nine five ERA right now. So the thing is, is, you know, you look at this, is it sustainable? But to me, these guys look sustainable right now. This all looks real. Yeah. So exactly. It's like, what, what does sustainable mean? Um, you know, it's sustainable in the, in the sense that they will all continue to be good. I agree. Uh, I don't know if, if they are going to have a team rotation ERA sub sub yeah. two five. Right. And I think we agree on that, but like, What's crazy is I I'm with you. Like I'm sold on Nestor Cortez being a dude legal adjust. And, you know, I think the ERA will normalize a bit more to the mid mid twos, God forbid. Um, you know, I think Montgomery is, is somewhere a, around where we're used to seeing him. I think he'll normalize to three, five Jameson Tyone. Like I'm, I'm very sold on what we're seeing. He adds the cutter. His command is arguably the best in the game right now. He's walking 2% of batters. And then Severino, it's always just been a matter of health, and he's healthy right now. And that's clearly what's happening there. I don't think there's any doubt about Severino's ability. And then the bullpen, aside from Aroldis Chapman, who's on the IL, and Jonathan Wiseaga, who's been horrible this year and now on the IL as well, like their, their bullpen has still been fantastic. So if they get anything out of Wiseaga and Chapman, they're in business because Clay Holmes has been the best reliever in baseball. Michael King has hit a little bit of a wall, but has been still fantastic overall. They're getting good innings out of Clark Schmidt, Wandy Peralta. Like it is amazing what the Yankees are doing right now. We talked about it again on the just baseball show on, on Monday's episode. We we're just really getting into like being hard on Dave Dombrowski at the same time. You got to really give a tip of the cap to, you know, Brian Cashman. It's adapt or die and he's adapting and he has done a phenomenal job putting together this pitching staff. And uh, I mean, we're, we're seeing the results. You know, it, it's so tough every week because it seems like we end up talking about the Yankees for an hour on the show and like kind of sprinkle in the rest of the teams. But it's really just incredible what this team has done. But the one like, thing, how can you talk about anything else? You know, it's exactly. and we talk about the losing streak, like, like if they can hit a wall a little bit. Here's the problem is if one guy gives you a bad start, one of these other four dudes are going to are going to step up probably and give you a good start. And that's why the Yankees have been impervious to scuffles is because they're getting a good start almost guaranteed every every single day. And if they don't, another guy will step up. And I think that's kind of what the Red Sox and the and even the Jays to a degree are, are missing right now. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean. 
what what separates them is the Yankees lineup can still save them too if if the your rotation doesn't doesn't do what it's supposed to do and that's kind of what the Red Sox and even the Blue Jays are kind of banking on right now right the Red Sox right now are leading baseball in WRC plus since May 1st which you know if you kind of ignore the first 3 weeks of the season where it was like okay there's a dead baseball there's something weird going on here it was just kind of weird what the whole week was going through there but since May 1st they're the best offense in baseball right and so I think the Red Sox, you know, at 27 and 27 are a team to be scared of in the wild card race. The Blue Jays are eight and two in their last 10 and are kind of just starting to get hot. They're really just starting to get hot. Alejandro Kirk has come on and, and been insane. And I, I love talking about him because he is a five foot eight. He's listed at 260 arm. What, what would you say he's at? I, I'm, I'm getting him to 285 on, <laughs> on, on a light day. You know, I, I think, I think that's after he sweat a lot out and uh, didn't eat that much that day. I, I think he's pushing three bills and it, it's amazing. Cause as you mentioned, he's in 307, 389, 471. Um, and, and, oh yeah, they've got that Gabriel Moreno dude in the minor leagues as well. So it's going to be interesting to see how they navigate that. Um, you know, Kirk is probably more of a, just bat first catcher so maybe Moreno gets called up and he ends up you know DHing a little bit more because that surprisingly has been a little bit of a void for for the uh Blue Jays right now has been the DH role they haven't been getting as much production there and you know Teoscar Hernandez has struggled Lourdes Gurriel has struggled what's been surprising is the pitching has seemed to keep the Blue Jays alive right now Kevin Gossman overall has been fantastic Alec Manoa has been unbelievable uh you say Kikuchi I think has been a great you know I don't think he was supposed to be the third option he's been a great third option for them and Jose Barrios though starting to show signs of life over his last couple starts and let's be real it was Jose Barrios gonna suck I I don't think so it's just how good is he gonna be is he gonna be more of the high threes low fours ERA guy or is he gonna tap into more of those flashes of the you know number two upside that we've seen uh if he can be anywhere between those two I really like this team, but I mean, the offense needs to be better. That's what this team is built on. Yeah. I've long held the belief that Jose Barrios is just a cherry bomb kind of guy, right? He'll give you the the seven inning, eight inning shutout and he'll look like an ace. And then he'll come the, the next game and give up five earned in three innings. And you're like, what the hell just happened? Yeah. So, you know, he's not really consistent, but he does give you those ace like performances. The one guy I did want to touch on there, though, is Kevin Gosman, because he has struggled over the last couple of weeks. His last four starts, he's given up eight runs in 19 innings, just 19 strikeouts. This was a guy that was striking out like 12 per nine and, and couldn't be hit over the first, you know, start of the season. But over the last few innings, he's, he's struggled a little bit, giving up some hard contact to that splitter, kind of hanging it over the middle of the plate. But I'm not worried about Kevin Gosman at all, and I, I don't think Blue Jays fans should either. I think he's a guy that's always going to give up some hard contact, right? Like the splitter is a very feel oriented pitch and he's going to have those days where it just doesn't go for him. I mean, we saw, you know, kind of the up and down season last year uh, where he was, you know, one of the best pitchers in the game that hit a bit of a wall, then finished strong. And I think that's just kind of what you sign up for with Gossman. And that's why I would argue that Alec Manoa, I think by the middle of the season really would be considered their quote unquote ace, because I feel like you're getting a competitive start from Manoa almost every single day out there. Um, and even when he's off, he's going to find a way to battle. But I think Gosman finds ways to, to still battle in that regard, too. Uh, the fact that these guys are combining for 17 walks along with uh, 130 strikeouts so far this season is outrageous. And, and that's still, you know, ups and downs. That's one of the best one-two punches, I think, in, in the big leagues. Again, I like Kikuchi as a third option. But I think a big – I think there's two two big questions to be asked 
with the Blue Jays. And it's, can the offense get going? You know, at what point do they start worrying about Teoscar and Lourdes Gurriel and, and their offensive production? And it's not like they're getting much from Matt Chapman right now either. And also, you know, who is going to be that fifth arm? Uh, and and that's a big question for me too, because Hyunjin Ryu is on the IL. He wasn't even that good when he was healthy. I think, I think you know, the, his best days are very clearly behind him. Is is Nate Pearson going to step up? You know, I don't think so. And you Who can't count on Ross Stripling. I mean, that's not realistic. Like, so who's going to be their fifth guy? Uh, and I think that also trickles into the bullpen as well. I mean, I, I love Adam Simber and what he's done for them. I love Jordan Romano. But I mean, outside of Romano, who is their swing and miss guy out of the pen? Uh, so I, I yeah. think this is still an incomplete team. I think they have they're good in a lot of areas, but they they have some voids in a lot of areas. And I love to see them playing better. I think that's largely due to them swinging it better, and uh, you know, also getting a couple of good outings from Barrios. But they're going to need to either turn into one of the best offenses in baseball, like they're supposed to be, or they're going to need to solidify that fifth spot and the bullpen. I think the former is the easier. Uh, so, you know, they better get swinging it a little bit, you know, in, in the coming days, because Vlad jr. Needs to be hitting better than, than an eight sixteen OPS. And, and I think the rest of this team, uh, if he's not doing better, needs to pick up the load a little bit too. Yeah, I, I wanted to touch on Santiago Espinal for a second, too, because what a revelation he's been. He stepped into the Marcus Simeon role because obviously Marcus Simeon had 45 home runs last year. And, you know, it's kind of like the money ball quote. It's like they're all the scouts are sitting around the table and they're like, how do we replace Giambi? How do we replace Giambi? It's like you can't replace Giambi, but you can bring in Santiago Espinal and at least get like close to the same impact and, and a very good glove over there, too. I mean, Espinal has been amazing. And, and yeah, you, you're never going to get 45 home runs at second base. It's just not going to happen. They didn't necessarily need it if everybody was swinging it the way that they can swing it. I mean, again, that, I don't think it's the subtraction of Semyon that, that really is hurting them. It's, it's the subtraction of production from almost every single guy in the lineup right now is, is down from last year's figures. Uh, Espinal is one of the only exceptions to that. He's added some power. He's never going to be a big power guy, but he's added a little bit more impact on the baseball. He's play. He's an elite defender. Uh, he gets on base. He's got good bats of ball skills. I think he's the perfect guy to balance out this lineup. But again, they need more production. You're not yep. going to get it from a guy like Espinal. He, he's a taste breaker for the big, you know, productive guys you have in the lineup. But Espinal has been one of the big reasons I think they're staying afloat because of his consistency, uh, you know, through the first couple months of the season. So I wanted to move to the Red Sox real quick, and I wanted to touch on one guy in particular because the big deal for the Red Sox in the offseason was them trading Hunter Renfro to the Brewers for Jackie Bradley Jr., plus a couple prospects. And, you know, that was kind of a head-scratcher move because Hunter Renfro was quite good last year. It hit close to 30 home runs and wasn't the best defensively, but we know how good that arm was. But it kind of signaled that there was a power void in this Red Sox lineup and I kind of wanted to bring up the play that Franchi Cordero has had over the last couple of weeks because, or even close to a month at this point, over 100 plate appearances now are 24% K rate, 8% walk rate, a 194 ISO. That's good for a 109 WRC plus. And the craziest thing about him right now is I think he, his ceiling is actually higher than this because his hard hit rate now, hard hit rate right now is 53%. He's putting the ball in the air. And I don't think all the balls have really dropped for him yet. And I think, you know, watching him and in the outfield, he's not the greatest corner outfielder, but 
how far off is he from being kind of that Hunter Renfro type where he has a good amount of power and he's a decent corner outfielder and can play first base? You know, I'd rather have Hunter Renfro. Um, you know, and, and that I'm still puzzled by that trade. Uh, but, and I think he's continuing to produce, which is interesting, but I will say, I mean, Cordero has been a, a really, really big bonus for them because I mean, we know JBJ is not going to give you, you know, what you want offensively for the most part. And I think he's actually been a little bit better than, than I even expected, which is, is still not that great. Um, but Franchi Cordero, I mean, you've mentioned it. He, he hits the ball as hard as anybody. The exit velos are elite. uh, And now we're finding a little bit more consistency here. I mean, you know, he's going to swing and miss, but honestly, strikeout rate is not that bad for him. He's 25 punchies and 104 plate appearances. That's more than fine with the power you're going to get from him. Uh, I'm, I'm very intrigued here. I I definitely am. I want to see how he can continue to, you know, perform, keep him away from the lefties, you know, just use him as that kind of fourth yeah. outfielder that gets a little bit more run than your average fourth outfielder. Yep. I think it's a great balance with JBJ here, but here's the thing is he's also a lefty. So how do you kind of structure that platoon? That's the difficult, I guess, thing to, to figure out here, but regardless, Franchi Cordero is a great, great, uh, I would say bonus right now. And Jaron Duran is swinging it great in triple A, but there's another lefty. So it's interesting. I think they have some decisions to make and that's why it's this early. It's June 6th. Let Franchi Cordero go a little bit over the next month and see what you've got. I mean, if he hits a wall, he hits a wall. And now you can either decide to call up Duran or, or shuffle things around. But if he rakes, now you can, start to move forward with him in the lineup more frequently. And maybe you're packaging Duran, you know, maybe you're doing something else. So I think you got to figure out what you've got here. And that means more ABs for Franchi Cordero. And I think he's earned them. Like you said, he's absolutely earned them. The approach is there. I think Red Sox fans would be very disappointed if the Red Sox trade Jaron Duran. He is a fan favorite, but regardless, let's move on to the Rays for a second, because this team, I am honestly shocked they're 31 and 23 because they they have not played like 31 and 23. And since May 1st, right, the same May 1st, I was telling you that the Red Sox are leading the league in WRC plus. The Rays right now are 25th out of 30 teams in WRC plus since May 1st with a 94 WRC plus. And it just seems like there's a void in that lineup for some real star power to come through. Obviously, Brandon Lau has been hurt and Manuel Margot was like, was unbelievable there for a stretch. He's starting to cool down after coming back off the IL. Wander Franco has even struggled. He's just at, at a 113 WRC plus, and that seems low for him. What do you think this team needs, Arm? I mean, you said it, man. They need bats. I, you, you look at the lineup, they've got one dude with an OPS over 800, and it's G Man Choi. I- <laughs> It's just not going to fly. I, I will say we could we could almost just sit with our hands crossed if you, if you're the Rays, you know, front office, and the offense will naturally get better for all the reasons you just hit on. I think Wander Franco will get better, although the splits are concerning. Uh, we know Brandon Lau is going to be better. We 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 saw what he did last year. We know what he's capable of once he's healthy. He'll get going. Uh, but at the same time, you know, Manny Margot is coming back to earth, and I think that's pretty much what we were expecting all along. Kevin Kiermaier is, is pretty obviously not a big producer anymore. Uh, Randy Rosarena during the regular season really doesn't do that much uh, more than what we're seeing right now, which is mid 700s OPS with some hot stretches. 
I'd like to see a veteran bat in the fold here. And, you know, I, I like Yandy Diaz, but it, w- with what they're giving up at a lot of premium offensive positions or getting Brett Phillips, a ton of run and right, you know, Randy Rosarena is playing in left and, you know, you, you don't have to get elite production in center when you've gotten an elite defender like Kiermaier. If you're not getting elite production at first base or third base, I mean, Troy's been okay, but it's at first base, eight, eight, 10 OPS is kind of standard. I want to see a big bopper at third or, or one of the corners or right field. And, and that's kind of what I'm waiting on. I, I think they'll do it. I'm, I'm interested to see, you know, what that move will be. Uh, but right now it's just been effective matchups and platooning and they've been getting by uh, on their pitching, which is kind of the, the raise MO and the bullpen, you know, just doing what it always does. But I, I need to see a bat here. I would like to see them get a veteran bat and, and I expect them to, I, they always yeah. do. They should. They should. Much like they got Nelson Cruz last year, they, they need somebody in the middle of this lineup because they did kind of rely on their young guns a little too heavy. I think Josh Lowe came up and struggled. Francisco Mejia has, has really struggled as of late. And you mentioned Brett Phillips. Brett Phillips is kind of like a JBJ style player, and he might even be worse than JBJ. Kevin Kiermaier kind of similar as well. So you can't have too many of those guys. They do need another power. Yeah, they do, do need another power bat. But yeah, that, that kind of closes out the raise arm. Let's let's finish off for our Orioles fans on the pod because they, you know, obviously had some big news in the last couple of weeks. Adley Rutschman came up, but most recently, Grayson Rodriguez, your number one pitching prospect in all of baseball, um, went on the IL for for the foreseeable future with a lat strain, and and it's not something you'd like to see, but I, I kind of wanted to get your thoughts on that and and the long term outlook there. Yeah, I mean, thank goodness it's not you know something structural or shoulder, elbow, whatever, uh, you know they're obviously going to be insanely cautious with Grayson Rodriguez. He's their crown jewel. Uh, and you know, it, it stinks cause it's going to delay that debut uh, probably until next year or the very end of this year, which, which is unfortunate because we know they're going to nurse him back. Why rush Grayson Rodriguez back when you know, you're not competing this year. Uh, so, so that's unfortunate because I was very much looking forward to, I think Grayson Rodriguez was maybe three, four starts away from, from a call-up potentially. And, you know, having that, that battery mate, the battery mates of, of Adley and, and Grayson Rodriguez would be unbelievable. Uh, but I mean, this team is, is, is treading water uh, relative to, you know, I think what many expected in a division that is a force uh, in a division that has the Rays, the Blue Jays, the Red Sox and the Yankees uh, to, to be hanging around there and not be one of the league's worst teams, I think is really encouraging. Uh, I, I like this Orioles like lineup to a degree. And, and this is relative, right. To, to the worst teams in the league. Like they are a much more watchable team, I think than a lot of other ball clubs. I mean, you got somebody like Cedric Mullins who's starting to get going a little bit more and it's incredibly exciting when he's going right. Ryan Mountcastle, we know the kind of power that he has. Austin Hayes has quietly been one of the better uh, players in the AL East over the last month or so. He's been really good. And, and Trey Mancini is in 305, 377, 437. And I will say to, to like for the next month that's a I know they don't want to trade him because he's an awesome dude with a great story and but ultimately Trey Mancini if he goes elsewhere those power numbers will tick up because it's a graveyard right now in Baltimore and Camden Yards and left field I think the power will tick up they've got some sneaky pieces here and I think they're going to trade some guys like Mancini uh, but ultimately the rotation has not been as bad as I thought it would be which, which I think is kind of what's keeping them alive here. Tyler Wells pitching. Yeah, I recently admitted that I like Tyler Wells to Peter, well, and he like he had a. Well, fit. here's the thing: is Tyler Wells is 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 a big league starter. He's not a good three. He's six eight. 
but they needed a big league starter. They didn't really have any. And Tyler Wells is that. Bruce Zimmerman has been like serviceable in spurts. Jordan Wiles has been serviceable in spurts. Uh, the bullpen has really been where it separates. And I'm excited to see the Orioles. I hope they cash in on all these bullpen arms because they're all of the guys I'm about to list have an ERA under two with more than 20 innings pitched and are under 30 years old. Jorge Lopez, Dylan Tate, Felix Bautista, I mean, and then also uh, Cyanel Perez. <laughs> I don't even know who that is. Keegan Aiken. And I can't even say this guy's name. Joey Crybeal. Joey Crybeal has a sub three ERA as well. So, so their, road, their, their bullpen is shoving. Um, and, and they should cash in on all those guys. Oh, yeah. They should absolutely sell all those guys. So the, the last thing I want to touch on before we, we close out this episode is just kind of go back to Grayson Rodriguez. But also... Trey Mancini could be an option for the Rays potentially. That could be a really, really solid option. For yeah, the Rays, generally we we say don't trade in division, right? But like I don't think the Rays, I don't think the Orioles, the Orioles are right? I don't think they're and, they're gonna have and any. who's gonna offer you the best prospects? It's gonna be the Rays yep. who are on a roster crunch that won't be able to protect all of their all of their 40 man guys. Uh, so I, I think that's easily, you know, what we could see. Yeah. So I wanted to bring up though, Grayson Rodriguez, because we did mention the injury, but just to give context to how incredible this guy has been this season arm, he has a 37% K rate right now. He's walking just six and a half percent of batters 2.09 ERA, but his FIP was even lower than that in triple A with a 1.65 FIP. I mean, this dude is, is historic when he comes up with how good he's been in the minors and absolutely does have that title as the best pitching prospect in baseball immediately when he comes up. And he's been a workhorse, you know, he has not really dealt with much injury, you know, and that's why I'm hoping it's just kind of like more of just a muscle tweak. And, um, you know, because he's a guy that's velo has gone up as the years, as the year endures, uh, he doesn't really fade at all deep into starts. And uh, I mean, he has been historic. The numbers have been insane. Even in the start that he got hurt, it was four shutout, and then they pulled him out because he just didn't look right. And he had threw a pitch that was 88 miles an hour. Um, so, I mean, this guy is a franchise altering prospect that, you know, I, I really think could be similar to what Jose Fernandez was to the Marlins when he first came up, which was joining a team with good offensive pieces that had almost no pitching and instantly became their ace and and the guy that you looked forward to every fifth day. I think Gray Rod could be exactly that for the Orioles, which you know I don't throw that around very often. No, and the Orioles have such a great farm system. Gunnar Henderson breakout this year. The other, you know, the last guy I'm going to touch on is Adley Rutschman because I just kind of want to tell people that you know he's he struggled over his first. 57 plate appearances. He's hitting 137. And guess what? I don't care because I think you should not check his fan graphs page until he gets to, you know, 150, 200 plate appearances. He's going to need a little bit of time. Even then, like if he's not great, like he's adjusting to catching at the big league level and hitting um, from both sides. It's going to take a little bit of time. Uh, This is exactly when you want him to struggle let it happen. He's going to get through it. He's going to work through it and he's going to be just fine. And he's going to be a very good baseball player for a very long time. Absolutely, man. So yeah, that'll do it today for ALE stay the division arm. Thanks for joining me, man. Um, Make sure to go check out NLE stay the division and and the rest of the state division podcast, but yeah, enjoy everyone's week and uh, we'll, we'll talk to you next week.